0: Hi everyone, and welcome to Women Who Travel, a podcast from Condé Nast Traveller. I'm Lale Arakoglu and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host Meredith Carey. Hello! A few weeks ago, we published an advice column helping a Women Who Travel follower who was feeling anxious about wearing a bathing suit on an upcoming group trip. And like many of us, her body had changed over the course of the pandemic and she wasn't feeling as confident as she had before. Turns out there are a lot of us feeling the same way. So we wanted to dedicate a little more time to talking about our relationships with our bodies and how that's changed over the past year and a half. Today we're joined by Amy Pence Brown, a body image activist, writer and creator of Rad Camp, a body positive bootcamp for feminists and feminist teens, and Stephanie Yaboa, a self-love advocate, blogger, and author of Fatally Ever After, a Fat Black Girl's Guide to Living Life Unapologetically. Thank you for joining both of us.
1: Thank you for having us. Yeah, glad to be here.
2: So I'm curious what your journey has been like to get here, to being advocates for self-love and opening up this conversation about body image.
3: As I guess for me, um, so I've kind of been in the, I guess, body image slash body positivity fat acceptance space um since two thousand and twelve I think. Um and for me my sort of journey towards sort of self love and learning how to love the body that I'm in has been a very long time in coming maybe about 16 or 17 years Um, and for me it was definitely when I started my blog in 2008 and I started joining networks and and platforms such as Tumblr and some Facebook groups and things like that where I started seeing these small communities of women who look like me and were shaped like me sort of professing their love of their bodies and themselves and whether it was through the medium of content such as photos or videos, um, think pieces, poetry, things like that. It was just such a buzzing hub of women who were just learning how to love themselves loudly and unapologetically. And at the time for me, um, especially when I finished university, I had always had issues with confidence and self-love and learning how to love myself in this body and had have gone through um, a series of uh, things like eating disorders and, you know, internalised fat phobia and all of these things that sort of shaped my perception of my body quite negatively. And so I think being able to access these resources online at that particular moment was a life changing element for me. And so since then, I've used my blog to not only talk about the way in which I'm learning how to love myself but I also have tried to focus on things such as mental health as well and how important it is to acknowledge things such as intersectionality when it comes to the issues of body positivity and and self-love and things of that nature so for me it's been a very 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 long journey and I, I never thought I would ever get to a point where I could say that I loved myself or I would I never thought I would get to a point where I would feel comfortable just calling myself fat and not feeling grossed out or embarrassed or, you know, ashamed or anything like that. So it's been a, a very interesting uh, journey. But like a lot of us sort of in that community say, when it comes to confidence and self-love, it's always going to be an everyday thing. It's not, it's not like a one shape suits all type of thing. It's an everyday kind of journey with learning how to, um, to love yourself.
1: And Amy, what has your experience been like? Uh, Of course, it's been a lifelong one now that I look back at the age of 45 and how I've been working towards learning to love my larger body um, most of my life. But it really started when I was a teenager and I started becoming more um, dissatisfied with beauty standards that were put upon me and not things that I felt like I wanted to take part in, but things that I felt like I had to do. You know, like have long hair, for one thing, when I was about 16 and I, in a rebellious act, cut it all off really short, um, shorter than it is now. In my rural, conservative, American, Western town in Idaho it was radical, that was a radical move. And I often say this, that it was really motherhood um, that made me a body love activist. It was really a motherhood that launched me into a more sort of public way of thinking. And I had been already questioning diet culture and, be, and being done with it um, for a number of years when I had my first daughter at the age of 28, and then I had another daughter when I was 32, and this was over 13 years ago now. And that was it. That was I was done hating my body for the size that it was. And I was done with diet culture and all of that. And I, 13 years ago now, Googled the words, why am I fat and happy? Because I knew no one else in real life who felt that way. And I turned to Google, like all good researchers do, right? To find out <laughs> if I, if I, I can't be alone, possibly, in this way of thinking. But if I am, then... That's okay, but I'm gonna try to find out. And Google, you know, 13 years ago, um, less so today because I have now since typed that phrase into Google many times and a lot of different articles come up. But 13 years ago, Google picked up happy and turned it into unhappy when related with the word fat um, as Google does. And I got pages and pages of ads for the diet industry complex. And I kept scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and finally found two blogs that forever changed my life and um, are now run by colleagues and friends. I'm lucky to say um, one is the Curvy Fashionista by Marie Dunay, who's a plus size fashion blogger, we and the other, Kath, um, uh, the other one, the Fat Half a by Kath Reed, who's an Australian activist. And they had just started those blogs, probably in websites like a year before, probably in 2008, and I found them in 2009, and they led me to other writers and, and bloggers and Tumblr feeds um, and books, really, that um, I began to devour, and it really changed my life. And the, I, it took me about three years to really read through all of this stuff and um, submerse myself in this education and this culture um, that was pretty new um, and really radical, and then the words started showing up in my writing, on my mommy blog at the time. They started showing up on posts on Facebook. They started showing up in my art um, and coming out of my mouth. Fat acceptance was what I identified with 13 years ago as a movement, along with feminism, of course, and civil rights and all of this, that's that's part of it. And then body positivity as sort of a term and a buzzword came about um, a few years later. Um, and it's definitely Helped in a lot of ways, bring a more radical movement to the masses. And it's also sort of watered it down um, in a lot of ways, too. But regardless, people began liking what I had to say um, and liking my words, um, even though a lot of them hated my words and didn't like what I had to say. There were enough that did. And I had a local following. I started a group called the Boise Rad Fat Collective, rad short for radical, an online and in real life group that started with like eight other people I knew um, here in the area um, in Idaho who were done with diet culture too and wanted a safe space on the internet on Facebook. It's a Facebook group. And then just six years ago now, I did this pretty famous super accidentally famous um, public performance art piece in a black bikini and a blindfold with a handful of washable markers and a chalkboard sign at my feet um, that I call the Stand for Self-Love. And the chalkboard sign said, I'm standing for anyone who suffered from a self-esteem issue like me. If you believe all bodies are valuable, draw a heart on my body. And um, I stood and stripped down into a black bikini in the middle of the busiest place in Boise, which was our farmer's market six years ago, and had a photographer there to take some pictures. I thought it was going to be a disaster, and it wasn't. And I didn't think the photos would capture the humanity and the beauty that happened in that hour in the market, but they did. And quickly, the local news picked it up within 24 hours, I think. The national press had picked it up from there. And then within 72 hours, it was international, and it's been seen a lot and it continues to be seen a lot and I was handed a microphone by a lot of press um, which is how I'm here today honestly and they seem to like what I had to say about bodies and a different way of thinking.
0: Obviously our lives have seen a massive shift in the past year and a half due to the pandemic. How have you both Notice the way we talk about our bodies change in the past year and a half do you think there's been a yeah a noticeable shift in the way we talk about both our own bodies and I guess other people's too
3: It's been an interesting one for me personally, because uh, over the last two years, I, so I live alone and during the pandemic, I had to move apartments twice. And so the stress of kind of moving apartments, but then also living alone, not being able to see my family for nearly a year and all of these sort of stresses and things like that actually made me lose quite a bit of weight during lockdown and it was it's not something that I tend to talk about or voice um, especially being in the space that I'm in just because I know that sometimes talking about weight loss and talking about diet culture or exercising and things of that nature regardless of the intention sometimes it can be triggering for those who are um, who have had previous history of eating disorders or some kind of trauma regarding extreme weight loss and things like that. So for me, it's interesting because I've finally got to a point where I'm I have accepted how I look and I'm so happy and just content in in me as a person. So when I noticed that I'd lost quite a lot of weight, I just felt there was a part of me that thought I would feel happy or relieved or positive about it and that was kind of the old kind of internalized fat phobia that I thought would come back and be like oh my gosh you've lost you know uh, this amount of, of pounds or whatever you should be happy but actually I just felt very Nonplussed about it. I was just like, okay, and so don't really care kind of thing. So for me, it was actually quite surprising that I I quite liked my reaction to that. I liked that I didn't care about the fact that I'd lost the weight. I didn't uh, my my self worth didn't change based on the fact that I'd lost you know this amount of weight. And I guess in contrast to that, online from what I've been seeing from my followers and and other. Peers in the industry and things like that, and with the media and publications, there has been—I I won't lie—I feel like it has been incredibly fat phobic with regards to the messaging, especially when we read articles or you know we, we look at the press and we see that everybody is just talking about COVID weight gain, and you have to you know here are some movements that you can do in the gym, or here are so, here are some uh, some exercises that can get you back to your pre-COVID weight, or in the UK anyway when we had so I think last October we had a break I think it was like a two or three week break period where lockdown was lifted before it got Re lockdown again, um, where we had all of these articles that were talking about okay, so you know, before Christmas, try and lose this amount of weight or this amount of weight, and then also uh, with the July that's just gone where our lockdown was lifted, there were loads of um, discourse in the press regarding um, okay, now that lockdown is over, get your ass to the gym, um, get your bikini body, you know, all of these kinds of things, and I just think that this reinforces of these westernized sort of body ideals is so damaging to those of us that have been you know working for years and years and trying to really project the notion of self-love and not equating your worth to your body or the numbers that you see on a scale I, I feel like it's really just pulled it back because these same articles and and press that have been talking about body positivity and highlighting influencers and journalists and people with platforms who are making real moves when it comes to self-love have now just reverted back to talking about weight loss and the diet industry and what diets to kind of test out. There has been this notion of a lot of people being triggered by what's been happening in the news, people that have historically always been very small or thin suddenly putting on a lot of weight and not really knowing how to navigate their new bodies, not knowing what to wear, not knowing how to feel because they don't want to be fat phobic but then also they don't know how to navigate this new body, they don't know if they feel um, unattractive but then they also think well if I do feel unattractive then that's me being fatphobic. phobic so then I don't really know how do I sort of fight these two uh, these two things so it's for me it's been a lot of I've spent a lot of the time um, this pandemic's kind of advising people and and talking to other women and just trying to I guess offer reassurance because I think you know, lockdown has been hard on all of us and our bodies have just been trying to cope. We've been trying to, you know, in a way it is a, it is a kind of trauma, especially if you, for those of us that like live alone or, you know, are quite isolated. Of course, it's going to be natural, you know, if you're not out and about every day and you're at home most of the time, there can be some weight gain. And I think, it's just been important for us to hold space for that and to have grace and compassion for our bodies just trying to make it through a pandemic and doing whatever it needs to do to have that fuel and to have that energy and if it means weight gain then so be it but weight gain is not the worst thing a person can have or a person can do and so for me it has been a lot of people very frightened and very scared and very confused about how to feel about this weight gain and I just think that what we're seeing in magazines and online articles about weight loss is not helping um, those situations at all.
0: Amy, what have you noticed during this period?
1: Yeah, much of the same that Stephanie talked about. And from the get-go, of course, when COVID-19 was you know, sweeping across the world, I knew immediately, um, as happens with any sort of illness or medical malady that fatness would be um, somehow to blame, somehow that would come in there um, as, I mean, I literally called it, I said these words to my scientist husband when it was almost a hit America (laughs) and said, watch, being fat is gonna be a reason here a cause of getting COVID-19, right? Like that's going to be a fear that's going to come out because being fat is literally the problem for everything, right? And and I know this as a fat person who's grown up going to the doctor and medical providers. And I am a what would be called like a small fat. I'm not. Um, there's you know sort of a scale of, of of fatness. Like there are all sorts of scales of body sizes right I'm not super fat I'm not I don't live in a large body I'm not marginalized in a lot of other ways like other people's bodies are based on you know their gender or their skin color or their size um but I have experienced medical fat phobia my entire life. And I've heard stories from people in my Rad Fat Collective and other followers and other fat people I know who experience extraordinary medical fat phobia all the time for everything, right? Like a sprained ankle is because they're fat. A sinus infection is because they're fat and they leave with a prescription for a diet and a pamphlet for bariatric surgery, right? Like it's it's a very common thing. Um, and so I knew that COVID-19, which sure enough, one of the sort of causes or one of the high risk associations would be quote unquote obesity, right? And sure enough, um, that was the case. And so that just fed into that fat phobia um, that we already all have internalized and everyone was terrified of getting COVID and then being fat was just another, you know, now your your likelihood of getting COVID is, is even greater. And of course, They've since sort of luckily a lot of research and data as as we have it so far has sort of debunked that, Um, but it's taken a little bit of time. So that just fed into the fear of COVID from the get go. And then like Stephanie was talking about, um, we already had this fat phobia and culturally that people were afraid of gaining weight. And immediately I started seeing jokes like literally within Three weeks of the virus hitting the United States. You know, jokes about gaining um, the quarantine 15, which is, you know, um, in the US, there's this saying about um, girls in particular going off to college and gaining the freshman 15, which is like a weight gain that often happens. Probably because their bodies are changing at the age of like 18 or 19. But people like to say it's because they're eating poorly in college out of their parents' homes, right? So this is a a big joke. As freshman 15 and quarantine 15 was the take on that. And or this joke about memes were going around about gaining the COVID-19, right, in regards to like the 19 pounds that you would gain so that I noticed right away. And of course, like Stephanie mentioned, that um, has continued and perpetuated. And in fact, people ha- some people have gained weight um, during the pandemic because they are locked down. They might be eating more. It, there might, it might be a trauma response. It might be a number of things that, that are happening. But they've also likely lost weight, like Stephanie mentioned as well, um, because that's life and that's what our bodies do.
0: It's also our entire lifestyles have changed. To expect that our bodies wouldn't change with that
2: is extraordinary. So this is kind of looping in a little bit with what you guys talked to Megan about, but the summer saw a lot of us traveling with friends or with family for the first time since early 2020, which is an experience that can potentially bring up a lot of insecurities about the way we look or feel in the company of others specifically. What is your advice for... Starting open conversations with friends if we're not feeling a hundred percent our most confident selves Like you were saying Stephanie it being kind of like a day-by-day thing. How do you talk to other people about that?
3: I think for me, I'm I feel quite fortunate with the fact that a lot of my friends are uh, Also fat uh, so they, they get it uh, and and the ones that aren't are very like the I don't want to use the word woke I hate that term but like they're very clued up on sort of recent discourse surrounding you know self-love and body image and things like that but there have been instances where um and I always say this is that I think it's so important to place boundaries and to to sort of instigate boundaries with your friends regarding anything to do with weight so one thing that I hate people saying as and a lot and the thing is a lot of the time friends won't even know that they're being fat phobic when they say certain things they they might think that they are being um motivating or inspiring or they think you know for the most part it comes from a good place quote unquote but they won't realize how inherently fat phobic it is until we tell them so when people say things you know if they haven't seen you in a while or you may have lost weight you may have put on weight and they say something like oh um you look amazing you've lost weight something like that, you know, it doesn't, it may sound harmless, but to kind of have that notion that somebody looks better because they've lost weight is not the best way to kind of go about things. Um, and just in general, like nobody, just generally, nobody should be commenting on the bodies of anybody, whether you've lost weight or put on weight. Um, nobody should be commenting at all and then just sometimes it's even like in the little phrases or words that we use that may not sound that may sound harmless at first but sometimes it can have insidious roots as well so I don't know, even with things like if you were asking your friend what they thought of this bikini or something like that, like, for me, I'm very much a fan of not trying to go by dress size numbers or clothing size numbers. I just... Wear something that I think would fit me, in. and then if I don't then I'll size up if i if it doesn't fit then I'll size down but I don't like to kind of place so much weight uh, no pun intended on the number or the clothing um, item because it doesn't matter at the end of the day. I think we have such a spiritual bondage with like determining with um, clothing sizes and how much they determine our worth like it doesn't matter at the end of the day and so I think with friends, it is important just to have those boundaries and just to say, you know, if you are feeling uncomfortable to tell them that you don't, you would rather not them have these conversations around you. And if they, you know, love you and care for you and want to respect your wishes, then they will do that. No questions asked. But if they kind of react in a bit of a, you know, bitchy, weird way, then it just it it can say a lot about the friendship or it can say a lot about how they view fat bodies in general.
1: Yeah, all of everything Stephanie said, I totally agree with, right, that um, that is the least interesting thing about us, how much weight we've gained or lost or what our body looks like. Hopefully, um, we've all come to realize that as we've been through something pretty traumatic are currently going through something um, pretty traumatic, um, we are losing a lot of people and lives and um, livelihoods um, and jobs and... Oh, literally, to this deadly pandemic, right? And, and you'd think it would maybe more fine-tune what really matters um, in our lives, which is spending time with people that you love doing things that we're all lucky to do every day, um, going to a cabin or swimming in a lake, or you know, putting on a bathing suit and feeling the sun or having coffee in the morning and conversation that um there are a lot more important things to talk about than again, like Stephanie said, the number of the tag of the bathing suit we're wearing, right, or, or um, what our bodies look like, but turning the conversations to more, like, important things about what we feel. Amy, one of the tactics you suggested in the advice column was
0: to follow women of all sizes on social media and to fill your feed with all kinds of bodies. Who are the women you would both recommend we all follow right now?
1: Oh, gosh, there are a lot, including the two of us here talking today. (laughs) Actually, there's so many people now. That's the greatest thing about social media. There weren't that many um, in the beginning when I first found this movement, but now there are so many that... um, can be really, you can really tailor your feed to people who look like you, right? Have the same body size and shape as you, the same gender as you, um, have the same interests as you even, right? Um, Are the same age as you. And while that's super important because representation matters in such a big way, right? It's really powerful to see people who look like you living their best lives on screen. I also caution um, against curating your feed too much, to be too like you. It's important to me to have a lot of people with different perspectives than me that live different lives because I learn a lot from them.
3: I just feel like, like like Amy said, I feel like there's just, there are so many people who kind of, Depending on how you identify or your beliefs or whatever the case may be, I feel like there is like a person for every single box, um, which is amazing. So I guess for me, for me, one of them is Gabby Gregg. Um, she used to go by Gabby Fresh, um, and she is um, on Instagram. And she is, I guess, I don't know if she, I don't know if she's the founder, maybe, but she kind of really made popular the idea of the fat Um So she creates these beautiful swimsuits and kinis for plus size women uh, and lingerie as well so she does like she has this collaboration with a lingerie brand in the UK and she just creates these beautiful bits of lingerie that I've always thought would be um, inaccessible for larger women so whether it's like you know peephole things or like lace or bralettes and things like that so she has been instrumental in me learning how to love myself loudly because I love buying lingerie now and just seeing how I looking at it and, f- and feeling confident. And I know that a lot of, a lot of other women have been able to really find that confidence in being able to wear things that everybody else um, is able to wear. Um, Jessamine Stanley as well is a huge um, advocate of mine. Um, She's a yoga teacher and she is just incredible with everything she does. She kind of proves, you know, and, and tries to teach people that you can be healthy at any size. And, you know, she, oh she's just incredible and just so funny and strong and um she's just great at giving like really really good advice as well um who else Jess Baker as well is an amazing writer and somebody that I've been following in the field um for a really really long time I think even like in the UK um some of the influencers that I sort of New growing up were people like Callie Thorpe, um, Danielle Vanier, who are more on like the fashion and lifestyle side of things. Uh, Bethany Rutter who's an author and so she's she's like a sort of uh, fat positivity but then she does a lot of writing and you know writes romance novels and things like that so there's there's a box for everybody um which I think is amazing but yeah I can't even like oh Sonia Renee Taylor as well is amazing and yeah there's just so many people I can't
1: even think and in addition to people, there's lots of organizations that, you know, are essentially groups of people um, doing great yeah. things and um, doing great work. I mean, in regards to like body positive parenting, which is something I talk about a lot and get a lot of requests for pages and and organizations and websites like Feeding Littles um, is one. Sex Positive Families um, is one. Amaze.org, I mean, is another one. So... There are great um, resources out there, too, for all sorts of facets of body image and body positivity. Like you said, if you're into fashion or you're an academic or a writer or a parent, whatever it is, there are lots of great resources now lots and lots of stuff to dive into
2: (laughs) yes exactly you will be able to find links to everyone and every group mentioned in the show notes so be sure to check them out for yourself if people want to find you amy and you stephanie on the internet where can they find you
3: So for me, um, my website is just my full name, so Yaboa.com and my Twitter and Instagram is also Yaboa.com, but I'd probably advise just following my Instagram, because my Twitter, I mostly spend my time on there arguing with fatphobic people and racists and all of that great stuff, so (laughs) the Twitter, the Instagram is more uh, aspirational and positive than the the Twitter.
1: And Amy, how about you? (laughs) I also love um, Instagram. The handle is Idaho Amy, um, which lots of people call me Idaho Amy. Otherwise, because of that, my website is also my full name, amypencebrown.com. Facebook, of course, um, I've used for a long time. Um, you can find me there at Amy Pence Brown, writer, artist, body image activist. And also the Boise Rad Fat Collective is on there as well. It is open to people from all over the world and all genders and sizes. Um and it's currently full. I cap that group at 3,500 um, to keep it safe and intimate and manageable. And uh, there is a long wait list, but everyone um, is welcome if they're open-minded um, and can post positive and have a little bit of radicalness in them, they, they are welcome to join that. Um, and I mentioned Twitter, I've been there the longest. It's also not really for me, but I am there occasionally, <laughs> I'll post.
2: Well, be sure to... Follow them and follow Women Who Travel on Instagram at Women Who Travel. If you're looking to continue the conversation about the intersection of travel and the body positivity movement, I'd recommend going back and listening to an episode we recorded last January with Women Who Travel contributor Laura Delarado and Annette Richmond, creator of The Fat Girls Traveling. Um, it'll be linked in the show notes as well. Be sure to also subscribe to our biweekly newsletter. And I think that is all. Thank you both so much for joining us, and we'll talk to everyone else next week.